Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, Our Motives from God's Perspective, Part 3. This is lesson number 13 of Part 3 and the last lesson of Part 3. And uh, this is a very, very important lesson. We're going to look at this from several perspectives, but all from the same text of Scripture. We want to talk about the motive of Christ. What was Christ, the man Christ Jesus's motive? What motives did he have that we should have? And how can we know by looking into the mirror of the word of God, the mirror of the soul, which is the word of God, and we look at ourselves and we, we don't compare ourselves among ourselves and measure ourselves by ourselves. That's not wise. But we look at the word of God and compare ourselves with the word of God and say, is this me? Am I living like this? Is this going on in my life? And it shouldn't be. That's what the Word of God's one of the reasons for the Word of God, for us to be able to do that. So let's talk about the motive of Christ. I'm reading to you from uh, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. And, and we're reading this because we are called to have both the spirit of Christ and the motive of Christ. And... Paul summed it up as having the mind of Christ. Philippians 2.1, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if there, if any comfort of, of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife and vain glory. Huh. That word strife is a party spirit. Literally, it means, according to Strong's, electionary for office. Uh, or Thayer's, it may be. Uh, but let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Don't, you, you can't, <clears throat> vainglory is glory for self, because that's vanity. And it's worthless, useless, emptiness, it's empty. There is no store where you can use people's compliments as currency to buy anything. I'm using that as a figure of speech here. It's vain, it's empty, useless, worthless. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. That doesn't mean coveting them, but... We are our brother's keeper. We're supposed to help one another. And then he takes all of that introduction and he goes, hits it right here. Verse 5, let this mind be in you, not the organ, the brain, but let these thoughts, let, let, let the way he thought, the way he perceived things, the way he looked at things, let this become the way you think, the way you, what your motives are, the way you look at things. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. If anybody had a right to reputation, it was the Lord Jesus Christ. But he made himself of no reputation, meaning he didn't do anything to change people's opinion of him. He didn't glory in, in the, the presence of the Spirit of God in his life. The man Christ Jesus. He didn't do it. He made himself of no reputation. 
He didn't do anything so he could have a reputation where he would be well-known or famous. And took upon him the form of a servant. He was in the form of God. And the Greek word also is form of a servant. In other words, those things that are characteristics of a servant, he took that on him. He purposely had that as his attitude and spirit by the empowerment of the spirit within him. And was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man. Meaning in the, in the shape of a man, in the, in the, uh, <clears throat> typology, he, uh, he was a human being. He humbled himself, even though he was the logos of God, robed in flesh. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wait a minute. Okay. If Christ, the logos made flesh, if Logos created the world, and it does, there's so many places where it says that. The word of God, the worlds were framed by the word of God. So if the Logos had the power to create the universe, and he was the Logos made flesh, when it says uh, he was, he took upon him the form of a servant, made himself no reputation, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. What an understatement. I don't mean that sarcastically. What an understatement. The logos, the means whereby the I am God created the universe and everything in it, was in the man Christ Jesus. He was the logos made flesh. And he humbled himself. And became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. How, how amazing is that? How amazing is that? So, verse 9. Wherefore God hath also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved... As ye have also obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For, on this account, for this reason, it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So all this stuff that he just talked about uh, describing Christ and the attitude of Christ and the, the mind of Christ and the spirit of Christ and the humility of Christ and all that, all of that can be worked out in us if we come with poverty of spirit, fear and trembling, poverty of spirit, spiritual humility, and let the Spirit of God work it in us that we both will and do of his good pleasure. Now, as my pattern is, I'm, we're going to look, uh, as time permits, at a couple of other translations here just so we can get the full flavor of what the Holy Ghost is trying to say to us. Amplified, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. And so by whatever appeal to you there is in our mutual dwelling in Christ by whatever, strengthening and consoling and encouraging our relationship in him affords, by whatever persuasive incentive there is in love, by whatever participation in the Holy Spirit we share, 
by whatever depth of affection and compassionate sympathy, fill up and complete my joy by living in harmony and being of the same mind and one in purpose, having the same love, being in full accord and one harmonious mind and attention. That's wonderful. Isn't that? That's, that's, I mean, Paul is pulling out all the stops to say, okay, if there's anything going on here, if we have a relationship, if you've got any respect for me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, then live together in harmony. Get along together. Be on the same page. Be a part of the same body. How can that be? How is that possible? If people are not crucified with Christ, if we're not all surrendered to the will of God and all of us are in agreement to surrender to the will of God, and all of us don't, ha- and, and we haven't all set our affections on things above and not on things of the earth, if we're not dead with our life, his with Christ and God, how are we ever going to have harmony? Because those that are naming the name of Christ but fellowshipping with the world will never be in harmony with those that are seeking to completely give themselves over to Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to talk about the ones who want to be submitted to God and are seeking him and in this journey and process of coming to this spiritual place. I'm talking about those, this as far as they're going. They may still be wet figuratively from baptism, even though it was years and years ago. They haven't gone very far. They still may be speaking in the same tongue they did the night they got the Holy Ghost. They haven't come very far. So this, we, 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 we've got to be on the same page. We, we've got to get to the same place of, of uh, unity. Now, Paul begins to tell them how they can have this unity. Do nothing from factional motives through contentiousness, strife, selfishness, or for unworthy ends, or prompted by conceit and empty arrogance. All of those are motives. Factional motives. Instead, in the true spirit of humility, lowliness of mind, let each regard the other as better than superior to himself, thinking more highly of one another than you do of yourselves. Wrong motive always puts me above other people. Wrong motive always does that. Well, I can preach better than them. Why are they singing? I can sing better than that. Why are they being bragged on? I've done more than they have. Wrong motive always does that. And when we do things for the purpose of glory in his presence, we always reveal ourselves, at least to ourselves, if we're paying attention, by the attitude we have about those that we think we're better than, more spiritual than, and yet they're getting an opportunity to do something we're not getting to do. Really? Really? So one more time. Do nothing, verse 3, do nothing from factional motives through contentiousness, strife, selfishness, or for unworthy ends, or prompted by conceit and empty arrogance. Instead, in the true spirit of humility, lowliness of mind, let each regard the others as better than and superior to himself 
thinking more highly of one another than you do of yourselves. Right there. I mean, if we live by that, we could have the harmony. Verse 2, fill up and complete my joy by living in harmony and being in the same mind and one purpose, having the same love, being in full accord and one harmonious mind and intention. We could do that if we really, by the grace of God, lived that verse, just verse 3. But there's more. Verse 4, let each of you esteem and look upon and be concerned for not merely his own interests, which is wrong motives, but also each for the interests of others. Let the same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility. There it is. Who, although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness and the attributes which make God God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly uh, grasped or retained, but stripped himself by the Spirit of God of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant or slave, the Greek word is doulos, slave, in that he became like men and was born a human being. And after he appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further and carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even the death of the cross. There it is, right there. You say, well, I can't do that. Yeah, I know I can't do it either. I don't know anybody can do it. I, in fact, nobody can do it. Not by themselves. This has to be a work of God in us. Only God can produce that in us because only the Spirit of God produced that in the man Christ Jesus. So the one that produced that in the man Christ Jesus is the only one that can produce that in us. And Paul is talking about the man Christ Jesus. He's not talking about the deity part. He's talking about the the, uh, the humanity part. And he's our example of what we're supposed to be like. Verse 9, therefore, because he stooped so low, God has highly exalted him and has freely bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that in the then in or at the name of Jesus, every knee should, must bow in heaven and, or, and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue frankly and openly confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed my suggestions, so now not only with the enthusiasm you would show in my presence, but much more because I am absent, work out, cultivate, carry out to the goal, and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling, self-disgust with serious caution, Tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. Not only in your strength, for it is God who is at, who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire, both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Now, that's a lot of reading, and I do a lot of comment, but it wasn't necessary for me to do a lot of comment. It's The word's very clear here. Now, our problem with the Word of God is we read it, and it sounds so far out there, not in being un, uh, 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 being weird, but so far out there in being unattainable. 
that we just dismiss it and make excuses for ourselves. Well, what kind of God would he be if he required stuff or said stuff to us that was unattainable? And it truly was unattainable by any means. Well, he would be a cruel God, but he's not cruel because there's always a way to attain it. His way. His way by his power for his glory. Always. So none of this is unattainable, no matter how unreachable it is. No matter how unreachable it is. No matter how unreachable it seems to be. None of it's unattainable. His way. Now, time to read Weiss. And again, that Weiss is a little bit hard to read sometimes. So I'll do my best. Philippians 2, one, uh, verse 1. In view of the fact that there is a certain ground of appeal in Christ which exhorts, since there is a certain tender persuasion that comes from divine love, in view of the fact that there is a certain partnership on the part of the Spirit in which the Spirit gives us aid in living in the living of our Christian life, since there are certain tenderheartedness and compassions, Fill full my joy by thinking the same thing, by having the same divine self-sacrificial love, being in heart agreement, thinking the one thing, doing nothing impelled by a spirit of factiousness, nothing motivated by empty pride, but in lowliness of mind, considering one another as excelling themselves, this estimation resting not upon feelings nor sentiment, but upon a due consideration of facts, not consulting each other, not consulting each one his own interests only, but also each one the interests of others. This mind be constantly having in you. This is the mind which is also in Christ Jesus, who has always been and at present continues to subsist in that mode of being in which he gives outward expression of his essential nature, that of absolute deity which expresses which which expression comes from and is truly representative of his inner being that of absolute deity and who did not after weighing the facts consider it a treasure to be clutched and retained at all hazards this being on an equal equality with deity in the expression of the divine essence but himself he emptied himself he made void having taken the outward expression of a bond slave, which expression comes from and is truly representative of his nature as deity, entering into a new state of existence, that of mankind, and being found to be in the in an outward guise as, a, as man, he stooped very low, having become obedient to God the Father to the extent of death, even such a, a death as that upon a cross." because of which voluntary act of supreme self-renunciation, God also supereminently exalted him to the highest rank and power and graciously bestowed upon him the name, the name which is above every name, in order that in, the, in recognition of the name, all for all which the Lord Jesus in his person and is in his, is in his person and work, which Jesus possesses, every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things in earth, 
and things on the earth and things under the earth. And in order that every tongue should plainly and openly agree to the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord, resulting in the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved ones, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, carry to its ultimate conclusion, likeness to the Lord Jesus Christ, your own salvation with a wholesome, serious caution and trembling. For God is the one who is constantly putting forth his energy in you, both in the form of you being desirous of and of your doing his good pleasure. Now that was very heavy. And so I'm going to wind up this reading with the Living Bible, which is not a translation. It is a paraphrase. So please understand, this is not a translation of the original languages. It's a paraphrase. That means it's good to hear, but you don't base doctrine on it. So it's good as a compliment, but you don't base doctrine doctrine on it. So Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 from the Living Bible. Is there any such thing as Christians cheering each other up? Do you love me enough to want to help me? Does it mean anything to you that we are brothers in the Lord, sharing the same spirit? Are your hearts tender and sympathetic at all? Then make me truly happy by loving each other and agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, working together with one heart and mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't just think about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and in what they're doing. Your attitude should be the kind that was shown us by Jesus Christ, who, though he was God, did not demand or cling to his rights as God, but laid aside his mighty power and glory, taking the disguise of a slave and becoming like men. And he humbled himself even further, going so far as actually to die a criminal's death on a cross. Yet it was because of this that God raised him up to the heights of heaven and gave him a name which is above every name, every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Dearest friends, when I was there with you, you were always so careful to follow my instructions. And now that I am away, you must be even more careful to do the good things that result from being saved, obeying God with deep reverence, shrinking back from all that might displease him. For God is at work within you, helping you want to obey him, and then helping you to do what he wants. Paul summarized, I read it in four different translations, summarized all of his readings about Christ. And he summarized those readings saying, God is, if you let him, God is working in you to produce these things if you're allowing the Spirit of God to bring you to that place. Jesus' name. The most important goal for any seeker of God is for the motives of Christ to be formed in us. Because if motives are so important to God, there's no better motives to have and emulate than the motives of Christ. But how does this get accomplished? Here we are summarizing all of this. You've heard it before by being crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. 
and the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, by my works, my deeds, then Christ is dead in vain. My friend, I want to thank you for loving God enough to sit through and listen to or watch all 13 of the lessons of part three. In part four, there are more lessons, but part four is very, very, very critical because it is, it's as much practical application as it is theological, theoretical discussion. We've talked about a lot of, of theology and not a lot of application, some, but not a lot. But in part four of our motives from God's perspective, God is, uh, God's going to talk to us. He's going to help us. Those of us that want to have motives that are pleasing for God, to God, God's going to help us to know how to recognize when he's working in us to produce them so that we can yield to him and submit to him and he can produce them in us to his glory. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bless you with grace and mercy and peace from God, our Father, even the Lord Jesus Christ that you and I would receive what God has for us, that we might be able to do what he's called us to do and please him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen.